In January of 1994, Jerry Yang and David Philo created Jerry and David's Guide to the World Wide Web, which is subsequently renamed to Yahoo. Yahoo was incorporated in March 1995 and IPO'd in April 1996 for $850 million. This is the origin story. When the HTTP and the web and HTML came along, it was this moment of aha that all that information can be put together in a graphical way that is point and click. You don't have to sit there and type in command line and it's hyperlinked. So you just kept going. You could keep exploring as long as there's links to click on. And that was like a real moment for us to say, wow, this is going to be big because you, you, anybody can create a website and can link to other websites. So you don't need a lot of content to start, right? You could just yep. sort of say, hey, here's my Madonna website and here's five other ones. Yep. And it was totally decentralized. There was no way of knowing who created what website when and how it was updated and things like that. So, so there were just websites out there. So there's just websites that are popping up everywhere. And so we created a list in the beginning when we called it a hot list. And then David started writing the back end to get it into more of a database format, more tagging, more labeling, more keywords, and a more directory structure. And I was the guy that published it onto a web page in the front end. And so it was called Jerry's Guide to the World Wide Web. And then and I don't quite remember exactly when this has got to be early 94, mid 94. And then at some point I got sick of putting my name out there and David doing 80% of the work. So I put David and Jerry's guy to the World Wide Web. Okay. And then all hell broke loose. So we said, fine. One night, let's not leave until we come up with a new name, right? Uh-huh. So I remember we were at the office and God, it must have been midnight and we were getting tired and sick of this. And so, so we said, fine, let's look up all the acronyms that had yet another YA. There's all kinds of computer tools that had YA references. And we look in the dictionary and Yahoo stood out. Partly it was because if you look in the dictionary, it means people who are very uncivilized, uncouth, rude. And we're like, oh, that's great. We're just a couple of Yahoos. And, and was David from Louisiana? He was from Louisiana. Okay. And he Even claims, better. yeah, he claims his father called him a Yahoo or a Yahoo growing up. So, <laughs> and so we just thought it was funny. It was short because we were typing our thing. We could get a short yahoo.stanford.edu. Everybody thought we were the chocolate drink. It, it's, it was, it was just a totally zany off the cuff decision that. And at the time, did you even really think it was that important of a decision, or is this just still a hobby? It was absolutely a hobby. Uh-huh. And so it was only important because we had to go and tell people that this is what it's now called. It, you don't have to type in David and Jerry's Guide to the World Wide Web anymore. And it remained a hobby until, until it wasn't. And when you were designing the original Yahoo product, did you draw on any lessons from like library science or attempts, pre- right. prior attempts and just throughout history to classify things? Yeah, it was funny. I, as a college student, I, one of the jobs I had to take was working in the engineering library, working in the stacks to, 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 to restack books. So I was very familiar with the, the Dewey Decimal System and, and a bunch of other ways of organizing information. And it just didn't seem right when we started Yahoo to go to any existing system. So we created our own sort of ontology, our tagging system, our directory tree that I think lived on for quite a while, but it was a bit ad, ad hoc. And so we realized we needed somebody that understood organizing information at a grand scale. Um, and that's when, you know, Shanija Srinivasan, who was a symbolic systems major at Stanford, joined us and she like put order into the chaos. And I guess with libraries, you've got some type of hierarchy, I suppose, right? right? right. Books are in a classification or subclassification. Yeah. 
and you're trying to put them back on a shelf. Right. So, but the internet, I suppose, you discover pretty quickly is different, right? You can cross-link to yeah. lots of different things. Right. You're exactly right. So it's more of a graph than a tree. You know, it's more interconnected graph. It doesn't. We try to avoid circles. You don't want to get in the place where you just can't get yourself out. But the idea that you can interrelate, you can get to, you can get to a music artist from Iceland from starting with Iceland, the country's Iceland, or you can start with music artists, or you can、mm-hmm. start with pop. The idea was to get people where they want to go. If you think of a keyword, why would you not let that keyword get you where you want to go, rather than following some crazy hierarchical system that may or may not make sense to the user? So, so it was again this mental and mentality of really focusing on the user needs and. Creating a system that people go, oh, okay, I see how you got here.、Mm-hmm. So next time I know I can start here or start there, and making sure that's consistent. And that's that was that's why it ended up being a, a search metaphor too. Is whatever keywords you typed in allows you to get to the right place, not multiple places. When did it start to occur to you, whoa, like this is starting to take off? Once we became the place known for having a pretty well organized, pretty comprehensive, and a very fast site. I mean, David really emphasized making sure that we had a really quick loading site, and that was really important because back then most computers were dial-ups. Most people viewing our stuff wasn't on a fast connection. So yes, you want to put all these fancy images out there, but if it、yeah. takes forever to load, so he always really emphasized that user. Benefit, and I can't quite remember, but probably by the end of mid '94, towards the end of '94, we had IP addresses from over 100 different countries hitting our service. We had millions of unique IPs that were hitting us. We didn't know about users back then, and people started. We started to become this network effect where if you were putting up a website, you have to register in different places, and we became one of the places you had to let people know. You have to let、mm-hmm. Yahoo know. That you have this website, or I have this change, or can I get reclassified because I did this? And so we ended up being in this constant communication with the web community, that was very human. That was very there's two guys behind it, and that was an important element because I think you could have easily written algorithms to do all that, but back then、mm-hmm. it wasn't. It was a little too chaotic, and it was a little, the quality really varied, and websites went. Up and down all the time, and there's nothing worse than you know hitting a four hundred four, right? So it's just it was you could feel the energy of the web growing through the work we were doing, and that was really compelling. And we stayed up all night and barely slept, and then you had to come back otherwise the list just gets longer. And then I remember finally one day our system administrator came to us and says, "We can't hide you guys anymore. There's so much bandwidth being sucked up by these two servers over here. You guys gotta gotta go find a home." And and that's when I think we became more. Visible and aware of of the opportunities out there, and and once people realize Yahoo is finding a home, that's when that's when the opportunities avail themselves. Whether it's corporate partners or venture capitalists, so we we said to ourselves, well, we might as well explore those. We we don't know what it's going to become of it, but why not why not check it out? And so, how many venture capitalists did you talk to? I would say probably a handful. So consumed and busy trying to keep the service going that we couldn't spend a lot of time fundraising, if you want to call it that. We didn't know that was the process, and I think we pretty quickly settled on on who we thought understood what we wanted to do the best. And that was Mike Moritz at Sequoia. And what was your pitch like? Did you have a slide deck? Did you, or did you just say, "Here's Yahoo"? Ta-da! <laughs> well, when you, I, I think someday if you talk to Mike on the podcast, you have to ask him his version. But I, I, to this day, I remember people who were in that general partners meeting saying, "Oh yeah, I remember when you guys come in and presented." And I don't remember a presentation. I remember sitting in a corner of a room, a large table, a bunch of Sequoia partners. And talking, and so maybe I think we show the service or something. So 
So I, I don't know. Maybe there was a pitch deck. Who knows? But look, it wasn't – in retrospect, I don't think it was a lot of capital for Sequoia. Yeah. But it was also probably an unconventional investment, right? I mean, you got two PhD students, no experience, no business model, no business plan. We had a great service that had a lot of users, but, but there were tons of competitors. Everybody says, look, you know, these two guys put together by hand – a directory. It, it's hard to remember now, but I, I remember in those days, people didn't even think Netscape was going to have a business model. Right. right? Like no, no yeah. nobody could figure out what the business model of the internet would be. Right. And it was a research and an academic medium that was staunchly believed in non-commercial activities. And so it was this very tentative time where whether you could charge for software like Netscape ended up doing or charge for advertising like we ended up doing, those were very non-obvious speculative kind of ideas because the internet community could have easily rejected that. Right? So that, so then Mike just decides to take the risk and he invests. How much did Sequoia invest in Yahoo? They did a million dollars with a $4 million post. Not bad. Then, <laughs> I think they did all right. <laughs> I think they did okay. So from the time you raised money to IPO, how long was it? We were incorporated like on March 1st of 1995. And then we were public on April of 1996. Dang. Yeah. I, I remember driving down 101. Went to, we went to Montgomery Securities on the day of the IPO. I was driving back down 101, going to work. And, and it hits you. It's like, yeah. oh, my God, we're a public company. <laughs> but because the internet was – it was so competitive and was a land grab and we had to at least get enough cash so that we're not – so the cash wasn't going to be the reason we didn't succeed. I think a lot of attention was placed on how Google eventually beat Yahoo with their own game, but I think not enough credit is given to Yahoo for how innovative they were, figuring out all the basics of the internet just when it became enabled in 1994. My personal lesson is that when there's a platform shift, you can move fast and do the obvious things like Yahoo did and nail the branding and do pretty well out of that. <laughs> 